This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. You're listening to Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell, taking you back to when movies were actually good. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? When music wasn't auto-tuned. When TV only had a few channels. And now, here's your host, Tim Nidell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Be Kind Rewind with Tim Nidell, which is me, of course. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Really means a lot. And if you're feeling up to it, I would like you to follow me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Tim underscore Nidell. And you can find my website at TimNidell.com. And of course, follow me on YouTube. I post new videos at least once a week. So I would appreciate the follows and subscribes. For today's episode of Beacon Rewind, I'm taking you into the glimpse of my other show, Saturday Morning Rewind, where I interview people who were associated with cartoons that I grew up loving in the 80s and early 90s. And for this episode, I'm going to play for you my interview I did with Bettina Bush, who is the voice of Rainbow Bright. A cartoon that even though I was a boy, you know, in the early 80s, I still love Rainbow Bright. There's no shame in that, I don't think. But like I said, this interview was on my other show, Saturday Morning Rewind. I still do that show, so check that show out as well. But I guess that's about it. I'll leave you with my interview with Bettina Bush. Welcome to Saturday Morning Rewind. A show dedicated to the love of animation and feeling like a kid again. Let's go back in time. To win cats defended third earth. Sword of Omens, give me sight beyond sight. A masked duck protected the streets of St. Canard. I am the terror that flaps in the night. And knowing was half the battle. Yo, Joe! Let's go back with Saturday Morning Rewind and your host, Tim Nidell. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Saturday Morning Rewind with your host, Tim Nadell. Of course, that's me. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Saturday Rewind. Or my personal one is at Tim underscore Nidell. And as a kid from the 80s, there are many cartoons I can tell you that I adored watching. Transformers, Thundercats, He-Man... And there's one that you might not expect, and that one I'm talking about is Rainbow Bright, a cartoon that's kind of more geared towards girls, but I love that show, and I'm so happy to announce that I have the voice of Rainbow Bright herself, Bettina Bush. Boy, you've got more questions than colors. Okay, I'm Rainbow Bright, and this is Twink, and you see, we're from Rainbow Land. Yes, we put all the color in the world. And of course, she was also the voice of Lucy Little from The Littles, another favorite cartoon of mine as a kid. Well, if you're sure, Henry, I guess it's time to play. Don't be afraid, Slick. It's just a game. You know we're always safe when we're with Henry. She also voiced Megan on the original My Little Pony. She's the current voice of Gloria in all the Madagascar games. 
But of course, I want you all to head over to our website, Saturday Morning Rewind. Just type in SaturdayMorningRewind.com. Check out some of our past interviews on there. We've been doing this for eight years strong. A lot of amazing, amazing voice actors have been on our show. If you want to help us out, we have a Patreon campaign going on. Of course, I want to thank Mike Clemens, Gemma Bright, Tori Garvin, and Dominic for helping us out for the month of June. I'm also here to announce our brand new clothing line called Rewind Wear. You can head on over to rewindwear.com or just saturdaymorningrewind.com and click on the Rewind Wear tab there. You'll see all the shirts that we've designed over the years. We have the Saturday Morning Rewind shirts that we've designed. We have some of our own designs like Made in the 80s, Made in the 90s. A brand new one I just designed was Vote for Megatron for Global Domination. And if you're a fan of my YouTube stuff, I have some of my YouTube shirts on there. So keep Rewind Wear on your mind, and hopefully you guys check it out. And speaking of checking it out, thank you so much for checking out this episode. I cannot tell you how much I love this interview with Bettina. She is such an amazing talent and somebody I've been trying to get on the show for a little while now. And I just had an amazing time talking to her. She is so very talented. Not only does she do voiceover, but she also does hosting. And she's also a singer. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you know that as a kid, she sang as Rainbow Bright, but she actually has a musical career as an adult. And you can check out all of her stuff on her website, BettinaBush.com. And uh, yeah, so here she is. Here's my interview with Bettina Bush. All right, so thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I must say... I've been trying to get you on for a little bit, and so I'm super excited to talk about all the stuff you've done. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. So you started at a very early age, didn't you? Like four? Yeah, I was a little one when I started. <laughs> um, I it, we, we actually, my dad um, got a job in Hollywood at, at working at Max Factor. He was in finance. And I assumed that we were moving the family to Hollywood because I was supposed to be a star. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, you know, this little precocious kid. And, um, and so I told my parents I wanted to act and sing and, you know, be a performer. And they just kind of laughed and they're like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> and then I was very serious. And, um, and sure enough, you know, we got a manager and an agent and, um, I just started booking jobs and I was little, my sister and I, um, modeled when we were like two or three years old in New York and then we moved to California and I, um, I, I was more, I wanted to do the entertaining and performing. I wasn't really into the modeling. Okay. Um, my sister did very well with that, but I <laughs> wasn't, wasn't my jam. So, um, I, well, cause I was, they used to call me motor <laughs> <laughs> it was that kid <laughs> you know and payback comes back around because i've given birth to two of them oh so, no yes 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 what it is <laughs> yep. my, my wife is a motor mouth as well and we have three motor mouths that we spawned <laughs> so. it's fantastic though because you get each other you know yeah. like you understand where they're coming from yep exactly <laughs> but anyway so that was who i was and and uh, so the agent started sending me out on um commercials and tv shows and things and i did a lot of on-camera work um but i was such a i was an advanced reader for my age i was the youngest of three and so you know the younger ones always tend to try to keep up with their older siblings yeah. so they do everything a little bit earlier yep. so that's how i was and um and so when they when people that I was working for realized that I could read so well. They were like, get her behind a microphone and have her do some voiceover. 
And so I did one voiceover commercial. It was for Payne Weber. And, um, and the person who was in the directing booth at the time, he took note of how well I took direction and how easily I read. And so um, he called me back in for uh, The Littles. And yes. The Littles was the show that launched Deke. That, along with Inspector Gadget and, yep. you know, all of those 80s cartoons. And uh, and the man who was in the room happened to be Andy Hayward. And so, you know, Andy Hayward is, you know, as you know, he's iconic. Yeah. And, and, yep. <laughs> and an amazing man. And I love him dearly. Um, and he ended up casting me in as Lucy Little. And I absolutely fell in love with voiceover. And it was, uh, it's been a lifelong public affair ever since. <laughs> so how old were you when you voiced Lucy? So when I did Lucy, I believe I was eight. Wow. I think. Yeah. And, uh, and she was just tons of fun. And we, and I absolutely adored the idea of having set school and having, you know, um, Donovan Freeberg, who was the original voice of Tom yep. and Jimmy Keegan, um, who I happened to sing with also, um, in a different kids singing group and he was a drummer. And so, you know, having them together with me and we were on set and then we were working, like it was the best. It's, it, it always blows my mind when people are like, Oh, you know, do you, that's such a hard life for kids. You know, do you want your kid? For me, I would choose work over anything. Like I remember there was a field trip to Disneyland that, um, that a bunch of kids were taking and I chose work over that. Oh my gosh. It was, you know, it was okay. Well, either you can keep your job or you can, you know, go do this. And we'll tell them that, you know, this isn't how we're prioritizing right now. I was like, no, not even like I loved to work and I still do. Um, so yeah, it was just who, who, who I am. So you would just do schooling like behind the scenes there, um, like they do nowadays with the with the kids growing up in Hollywood. Yeah, it's it was a little different then I think because um, there wasn't all the online schooling there there is now, and so it was kind of the schools that whatever school you were attending didn't always get it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fact yeah. that you were going to be out two days a week, and you know they're like, wait, what? You know you you got an attendance grade back then. So they were like, that's not going to work for us. So I ended up bouncing around from school to school as my home base because schools would kind of lose patience with the fact that I wasn't there. Yeah. And even though I was a straight A student and that was part of what my parents put on me, they always said, you can work and you can do whatever you want as long as your grades remain good. And yeah. so I always made sure that I knocked out whatever I needed to knock out and then some in those three hours that I was on set. So that I could focus on my character, my lines, and, and learning from the people that I worked with. Because I, you know, the people that I worked with were <laughs> incredible. I mean, I worked with Pat Fraley and Don Messick and Nancy Cartwright. And I mean, I, you name the, the biggest names in voiceover. And, you know, I was, this, you know, eight to 14 or 16 or whatever my whole time growing up. These are the people that I was getting to get these master classes from, yeah. you know, and a paycheck at the same time. It's like, what? Yeah. That's, you know, that's insane. <laughs> Peter Cullen, <laughs> Frank Welker. I mean, yeah, some yeah. of the biggest voice actors, some of them still working today. It would, yeah. it would have been amazing. And I'm sure at that age, you probably weren't able to really appreciate it like you could today. 
you know what? I, exactly. Like, you know, they always say youth is wasted on the young. You just don't know then what you know now. But looking back, I enjoyed them so much and they were so generous with me and they played with me and they, you know, they, they made it even because I think that those particular, that brand of voiceover actor that came up that, that I got to work with in the eighties, they loved what they did so much. And they were gifted with this ability to play behind the microphone and just create characters on the spot. I mean, we would have people walk in and they, and they wouldn't even know what three characters they were playing that day. They'd be given pictures and, you know, and dialogue and they'd be, they just start jamming. They just start trying <laughs> things out and deciding, you know, and, and the director would be like, yeah, no, take it a little higher, do it a little, you know, he's a little more sinister, whatever. And they give them direction and they just bounce right into it. And to me as a child, it was just fun. It was yeah. fun to watch. It was cool to see. And, and it was, um, and they were very generous in explaining to me how they did it and what they did. And, you know, and I was inquisitive too. So I okay. would ask. Well, of course, because so, you're, you're Chatty Kathy over there, always asking yeah, questions. And, and I wanted to be the best at what I was doing too. You know, I mean, that's just, you know, if you're not doing it the best, then why are you doing it at all? So yeah. I was, so I was kind of raised with that mentality of, you know, if you're going to do it, you do it to the best of your ability. So I would, I would learn. And I, that was like my teaching ground and it was fantastic. Now, whenever you would hang out with somebody your age, were they aware of who you were and that you voiced the Saturday morning character on, you know, cartoon character? Did people know who you were that were your age? That's funny that you say that. Um, I, yeah, so that was, you know, that varied throughout the course of my life. I was raised to be very humble and to not talk about it. Mm -hmm. I never led with it. Um, and but to this day, people will say to me, how have I known you this long and not known these things about you? <laughs> because I was taught not to talk about myself. You know, I, it's funny because I was watching, I took my daughter to go see Michelle Obama's Becoming tour. Okay. And, um, and she was talking about how her mom used to always be like, you know, oh, you're not all that. You know, even when she's first, a, first lady, you know, you're not all that, you know, keep it, you know, keep it humble, keep it real. And, and I think that that's almost a cultural thing. Like, I was just raised that you don't talk about yourself yeah. and you don't, you don't brag about yourself. And yes, you do this, but that's just your job and you're a kid and you know, you go back to school and you do what you do. So people who weren't other working kids didn't always know that about me. Yeah. What would happen was though, when I was at school and I would have to keep disappearing, <laughs> people would <laughs> the question have to be told <laughs> where I was and what I was doing. So then it would become a thing. And some kids thought it was really cool and great. And other kids became, you know, jealous and and, and it was, bullies probably yeah and bullies and it wasn't it wasn't cool and and so you know it, it was i found that it was just easier if people didn't know if yeah. i could just avoid people knowing it was just easier yeah exactly i must say that the littles one of my favorite early childhood cartoons i think i was four or five when it came out and i always wanted to be a little when i was a kid i used to even pretend to be tom little i used to like um, I forget what I used to do, but my brother and I would just pretend to be littles, you know, making little sets up with combs or whatever. So I, I love that cartoon. Oh, it was so great. And it was so well written. Um, and it actually attempted to tackle some pretty deep. It did. Yeah. It, the first know, I was rewatching the first couple episodes the other night and they're pretty dark. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were trying to, well, you know, cause you had a lot of shows on at that time that were kind of glorified commercials. Yeah. Yep. They were based around like a toy and that was not Andy's jam. And he, you know, he was trying to, to make a bigger impact than that. And so, yeah, he, he went there with the littles and it yeah. was pretty, it was pretty fabulous. Tell me a little bit about Lucy. What was it like voicing Lucy? So Lucy was, she was always just so much fun. I remember when I walked in and our director was Wally Burr and I walked oh, into wow. the studio, you, you walked up this flight of stairs and his studio was up on the second floor. It was in Studio City on Ventura Boulevard. And, um, and he handed me um, the picture of her and he said, this is the character that you're going to play. And she's, you know, this tiny little person and, and he said, but, you know, read the description and then come in. And so I read the description and I understood who she was. And I went in to read. And it was funny because my mom remembers it the same way I do. And usually that doesn't happen when you're a child versus an adult. <laughs> yep. But I remember looking in the booth and seeing the people in the booth, like, look at each other as though, and that's what she's supposed to sound like. Wow. <laughs> it was just a perfect marriage of actress and character. And it, it just worked out that way. And I just, cause I just loved her and I got her and, you know, I was the little sister too. And in my family. And so, you know, I had a brother and I understood that interaction because a lot of what they wanted to get across was that family relationship and that she was spunky and adventurous and, you know, and would do anything that Tom would do, you know? And, and so that, you know, I, I got her and it was just an instant click. But yeah, I think my favorite thing about her was the fact that she was just so willing to try and do yep. things. And, you know, that made her fun to play. Yep, awesome. How, how did you get involved with Rainbow Bright? <laughs> so, um, same same group of people. Yep. Um, it was I didn't even audition for Rainbow Bright. Oh, wow. Um, they, I was at I was at a session for the Littles, and they handed me a picture of Rainbow Bright. And they said, what do you think of this character? And I said, oh, my God, she's so cute. And they knew already that I loved rainbows. Oh, and wow. Like, yeah, she lives in Rainbow Land. And they're, like, telling me about Rainbow <laughs> It was made for you. <laughs> it was like, oh, my God, she's incredible. And so I just started, you know, reading the copy and, like, getting into her. And I'm like, wait, so there are color kids and there are sprites and what? And it was just, to me, like, this the most fantabulous gift I could ever be given. <laughs> So I was I was just so excited and and um and she just I mean it was love at first sight and she never I I loved I loved playing Rainbow Bright. Oh, that's awesome to hear. And I must say it's another cartoon. Even though I'm a guy, you probably get this quite a bit. I love that cartoon. I haven't I haven't played right. with the toys. I played with the toys as a boy. I see that's <laughs> awesome to hear because I have a lot of guy friends who say that, and I get a lot of emails from guys. Um, and I, you know, usually the emails that I get from the guys are about, they loved the movie. Yep. Yep. That the movie resonated with guys because we, they brought in, um, David Mendenhall and, you know, and that character and, and Stormy and, you know, it was, you know, kind of an expansion on, on everything, but the, but the Rainbow Bright and, um, the Get Along Gang, the Get Along Gang was also a Deke show and I played Dottie Dog on that. That for me, the way that those memories have a through line is because um scott manville he's a lifelong friend and i adore and respect him and his wife and his family immensely he's just one of the good guys and i i defy you to find anyone to say anything bad about that man he is just incredible and i was i had the gift of growing up 
in set school with him and being able to have so much fun um, bouncing off of him and, you know, and just, and our moms got along, you know, because the moms have to sit there yep. all day. <laughs> and his mom was lovely. And, um, and yeah, he, that, for me, my memories of Rainbow Bright and of the Get Along Gang are me and Scott just having a really great time. That's awesome. Yeah, I love Scott's work too. I mean, and, and you guys, like yeah. I said, you guys are the same age. This is perfect. Right. And my kids are giant fans of his. We went yeah. to the Teen Titans. Oh, yeah. Go to the movie's <laughs> premiere and uh, and um and the kids i mean they're just like ah, yeah. I love it's crazy how he has, he's had these like two different if you look at it it's like two different careers the childhood career and now the adult career yeah it's fantastic and you couldn't have it to a better person yep i agree great guy What did they tell you they were looking for when it came to voicing Rainbow? Um, we, Rainbow Bright, they they said, okay, she's not she's not um, Lucy Little. She she runs the show. Like she is in charge. She has there's a an element of you know of royalty with her, and so you really have to take charge and be the boss. And um, you know, and you've got all these people who answer to you, and you have a huge sense of responsibility. And so I needed to come to her with that in mind. And that was, that was um, really key. And so she needed to come from a bit of a, um, you know, my voice didn't have a ton of depth at that time, but yeah. the depth that I had had to come out. And so we would do like exercises before we would hit the mic because as I would start to get excited and she would, she would start to do things that were, you know, elevated um, in, in, their intensity, my voice would start to get higher and more into the Lucy Little range. And oh. so we would stop and I would breathe and I would get my voice back into the register it needed to be in and then we'd keep going. And um, Marsha Goodman, who I, I mean, I can't, again, like I could gush about all these people forever, but Marsha Goodman was amazing and making sure that I kept her where she needed to be and that um, and that I stayed in character and, and um, really, you know, led that that group of characters and you know understood the gravity of who rainbow bright was to the world so that was that was um the intensity of her and that was hard to accomplish i think especially in the movie because everything prior to the movie was so sh you know the episodes were so short yep. there was so much going on but with the movie that was really that was a great challenge for me and i really loved it Tell me the differences between the movie and the animated series when it came to at least recording. What were the big differences? So um, when it came to, to the, the show, we just, you know, we would get our script the night before and then we'd, we'd come in and, you know, we'd all sit around, we'd go to school, we'd sit around the mics, we'd do a rehearsal run and then we'd go to lunch and then we'd come back and we'd do the recording. And, um, and everybody was in the room and, um, you know, and sometimes there were scheduling conflicts so some people couldn't be in the room, but for the most part back then they had everybody in the room and I, I loved to work like that. That was my favorite way to work. Um, but you know, we had it down to a science, like it was this many hours for this, this many hours for that, like everything worked on a schedule and it was super, um, predictable and, um, and easy to fall into the character and the cast and the give and take of the ensemble with the movie it was you know new people more moving parts and a different schedule and 
you had to be conscious of the fact that this was on a big screen. You know, it was different. There was more to visualize. There, there was more to understand and the pace was different. And a lot of the times um, the whole cast wasn't in the room um, because it was, sh- it was recorded more like a movie, a shot, you know, with different people coming in and out as needed. And, um, and that, was, that was a really new experience. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, but I think I liked the pace of, yeah. of the series more. But I liked the opportunity to change it up that the that the movie brought. And then we actually had a premiere and everything, too, on the Paramount lot, which was really cool. I was you know, going to ask you, yeah. I, I'd never had that experience <laughs> before. And that was really amazing. So red carpet and everything? Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was like... They, they didn't have back then it was like it was more it wasn't so much like paparazzi and all of that yep. it was more like you know the one-on-one interviews and you know the camera crews it was really fun it was i didn't really ever see i wasn't ever into like the the fame and the stardom part of of what was going on i was always i preferred that just the work Mm-hmm. And so to have a night that was all about that was a little bit jarring for me, <laughs> but it was really fun. Like I really, I, I dug it. At what, what age are we talking about now? What age would you be during the premiere? I would say I must've been 13 or 14. Okay. Wow. So that's a pretty yeah. big jump between the littles and uh, re- yeah. re- the, the movie. Yeah. It all kind of, and then, um, and during that same period of time there was um i had my little pony yep, yep. and that was yeah that i remember auditioning for that on not only my birthday but the day that the challenger blew up oh my gosh <laughs> it was like one heck of a day wow and um and i remember going in to read for it and them having me and them just saying, you know, sing a song. And I sang, I, I said, well, what do you want me to sing? And they said, well, why don't you sing just tomorrow from Annie? And I sang that. And and, um, and they said, okay, well, this is, you know, this show is a different format. These people had all worked with me before. Jenny McSwain was the director and yep, Jenny okay. directed me on other things. And, um, and she said, you know, the format is different. This is 65 episodes. Um, they're each, you know, what you're used to as a half episode and they each, you have to learn a song. And I was like, Oh my God, sign me up. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a lot of work. <laughs> but I thought, Oh my God, this sounds amazing. And it was, it was so cool. And that was where I got the gift to Charlie Adler. So, oh my gosh, Charlie. Uh, what, what would that be like as a kid? I know he can be I, pretty crazy. Uh, we're, we're, we live in the same neighborhood and so oh, we still no. see each other all the time. <laughs> and I, I just, I mean, that energy level, yeah. that creativity, I mean, you can't bottle what Charlie Adler brings to the table. He is just a one of a kind and so phenomenal. And I I just, I would look forward to going to work just for Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Was he able to keep it kind of at least PG-13-ish around you? No, and I well, I, I mean, I say no, but looking back, he held back. <laughs> <laughs> he tried, he tried. Yep. But you know, I had an older brother. And, oh yeah. You know, I, you know, I grew up around adults working, so you know there was an element of yeah, I get what you're, I get. But I was also extremely innocent 
person. And so I, you know, I, I would understand some things. They wouldn't fly over my head. You know, I would just kind of pretend like, yeah, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah. I, ha- I had him on the show. I think it was like maybe five years ago. I-, I love him to death. And before the show started, he's like, Tim, this is a family friendly show. I said, yeah. He's like, all right, I- I'm going to control myself. But then like halfway through, he's like, Tim, I, I got to let some of it out. So I, I let him talk and I, I censored it out. <laughs> fantastic yeah it, you know and that's one of those people who's just so authentic and has never he's not even able to be fake he doesn't even yeah you know, it does not even in his <laughs> and nobody wants him to be you know his authentic self is just is is absolutely fantastic yeah he, he's yeah he's another one that i learned a truckload from i mean he just his technique and his ability to you know he he was he's someone who understood yes, you let it all loose and you be that creative genius that you can be, but you also have to, you know, hit your timing, hit your, your mark, hit, you know, be on the right place on the microphone, you know, be respectful of, you know, the slates and all of that and not jump on other people. And he just, he was always so good at it and such a consummate professional, as was Nancy Cartwright. She was like that too. And, you know, watching them in you know, those preteen years that I was in, you know, and in, in teen years, like that was, that was really um, uh, something to look up to and something to learn from. Do you ever show your kids your, your old cartoons? Yeah. It's so funny because they ask for it. You know, so I have to go backwards because the, um, one of the reasons that I get a lot of outreach from people online is the Rainbow Bright Records. And um, the music, people absolutely loved those two albums. And I, I don't think I was aware of how popular they were until email came around. And all of a sudden I started getting emails from people from all over wow. the world, from all walks of life, men and women, you know, talking about those albums. And that's kind of a funny story too, because when I played Rainbow Bright, they didn't know that I could sing. They had no idea. Wow. That I could sing. And they had auditioned a bunch of, of girls to be the singing voice of Rainbow Bright for those records and never had mentioned it to huh. me or, or anybody. And, um, and I guess they weren't finding what they wanted to find. And so we were in the studio one day and I'll never forget it. They, they said to me just out of nowhere, they're like, can you just sing a song? I was like, what? (laughs) They're like, can you just sing a song? I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I sang, I want to say I sang a song from Sound of Music or something. I don't even remember what I sang. And they, and as soon as I finished the last note, they were like, so we're making a couple albums and Rainbow Bright sings. And so we're going to have to connect you to, you know, we're going to, we're going to book you for, for all of that. And I'm like, oh, how fun. (laughs) And, and so those two albums got made and, and I sang them, but it, you know, the, the story very well could have been that I was only the speaking voice of Rainbow Bright and I mm-hmm. was never, you know, the person who did the albums. And I'm so thankful that they didn't find who they needed and, and gave me the opportunity because I, the impact that those albums have had on people, I had no idea the, the measure of that. And I'm really grateful to have had the opportunity to bring you know that kind of joy and a lot of comfort to a lot of kids yep. who really snuggled up with those albums and when they were having hard times listened to those songs and 
and to this day have said, you know, when I have, whenever I hear your voice, it calms me. That just, I mean, to, to be able to do that for someone and not even realize that that's what you've done is a true gift. Oh, yeah. I was going through your website the other day, and my gosh, what don't you do? I mean, <laughs> you, you host, you you do the singing. Are you, do you have any other uh, like upcoming albums coming out? I, you know, it's been such an evolution. It's so funny because I, I, I've always been the kind of person, as you can tell from my story, you know. And as it continues, it's just, it's I've always just kind of followed what has been laid out for me, and you know, and 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 be prepared for opportunities, but you know, I don't try to, I just, I just kind of let things unfold. And, um, and that's what has happened. And that's why I now do what I do because I, um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I was approached to host a parenting magazine live. And, um, and I had never even thought about being an interviewer or doing a radio show or anything like that. And, I absolutely fell in love with it. It was, and at the same time, it was able to feed my thirst for knowledge as a mom. Yeah. And so I became very passionate about it and didn't realize that I was going to become so passionate about it. And, um, and that, you know, that leads to all these, you know, as you look at my website, all these other <laughs> things that I do that are just innate in who I am and have just been a, a proper organic evolution of who I am. And, um, and it's funny that you talk about the music because uh, during COVID-19, when everybody's been, you know, stuck in their houses and everything, um, my husband keeps joking about the fact that I inadvertently got um, got put in a band and didn't even know that I was being put in a band. <laughs> because what started out as, you know, uh, just a friend in the neighborhood who is an amazing musician saying, you know, let's just sit in the backyard six feet apart and, and do some socially dis oh, distant jams and sing. And so, you know, we have done that and have been doing that. And, you know, then, oh, percussionist comes and wants to jam with us. And, oh, a keyboardist wants to come and jam with us. And then all of a sudden, my husband's like, you realize you're in a band, yeah. right? And I'm like, am I? He's <laughs> like, I think you are. And, you know, it's so funny to me. But, you know, I never, I just, you know, when you are someone who is artistic and musical and, and you act and you, you know, do the things that I have always done my whole life, it never really stops. You know, it's just something that continues to express itself in different ways and find different outlets. And, um, and like with my kids, you know, they, so I host a show for people who don't know, I host a show called the motherhood corner. Um, that's a, and I host, I hosted working mother radio and, and parenting magazine live. And, and, um, the motherhood corner is, is a show that gives parents tools to, um, to parent basically in, in very short bites. And, um, and that that came out of my work as the editor at large of Working Mother magazine. And um, and it's been so much fun. But what happened was my kids, as you have been able to discern, I'm sure, have the hand bone. And they are, you know, they love to be on camera and they're talented and, and, and outgoing. And they, you know, never met an audience or microphone they didn't like. <laughs> and so, you know, so we put them in a couple episodes of the motherhood corner and they loved it. And some other people saw that. Hi, I'm at my nephew's house and his baby just woke up. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and so what happened was some, someone saw them 
on an episode of Motherhood Corner and asked if I would uh, be interested in developing a show around them. Wow. So they've, you know, they've got a show in development and, um, and they're, you know, they're, they're just, they're so much fun. They're amazing kids, <laughs> uh, but they, you know, but then they ended up making, you know, we had to do a theme song for the show. So they end up singing a theme song oh and, you know, and I'm always, I'm always writing and recording. And so, and then they're like, well, you know, we're thinking about maybe doing like a, you know, some music for the show. And so I, you know, we start writing together and, and, you know, it all just organically kind of unfolds and, I, you know, I'm just having the time of my life enjoying that process. Yeah. And spending time with your kids, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah I, you know, and voiceover is such a great medium for that. It's yeah. such an easy way to do that, you know, hosting shows and, and, and making videos and, you know, and still doing, you know, the commercials and all that. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure you know that that's McDonald's commercials that I've done over the years and, you know, I can't even count how many of those I've so, done. I remember one morning I did 45 commercials in oh one morning. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Like, you know, you just, like, you don't, you look back and you talk to people about these things and you, until you're telling it back to someone else, it's just your life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so to clear it up, you are the ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so I started doing that in 2003. And, um, and you know, that just spiraled into just a bazillion commercials over the course of, you know, however many years. And, and, um, and just so much fun. Again, you know, people working with great people and, and, you know, the people at the advertising agencies are just so kind and sweet and, and, you know, continue to call on you and, and, you know, and you just come in and, and enjoy and, and go home. It doesn't feel like work. Yeah. So what do you do um, when you have free time? Do you do anything spectacular or just rest? Um, let's see. What do I do with free time? I really, I love um, spending time with my kids. Yeah. And, you know, we do a lot of hiking and biking and swimming. And, um, and you know, we just, we play a lot. I volunteer. I do a lot. We, we do a lot of volunteer work. Um, I my dad has a um, in memory of my dad there's a um, library at my kids elementary school and you know so I I volunteer on the on the parents association and we do community service um, I'm a Girl Scout troop leader Wow! <laughs> I think those things are important you know I, I want my kids to be grounded you know it's hard when you're growing up in LA to you know you have to make a yeah. priority of making sure your kids are grounded yep. and so you know you search out ways to do that and for me, part of it is I've always been a lead by example kind of person. And so, you know, they need to see my work ethic. They need to see that I give back to the community. They need to, you know, watch it in action in order to feel like it should be a priority in their lives. So that's what yeah. I do. I'm, so. I'm glad you mentioned your dad. I was reading about him last night. My yeah. gosh, he was, he's inspiration. I mean, he's some, we need more people like him now, especially today. Thank you. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I'm trying to carry on the legacy to the best Good. of my ability in a lot of different ways. Um, so my dad, for those who don't know, my dad was the um, first black page to serve um, on Capitol Hill under the Supreme Court following the Brown versus Board of Education um, desegregation of schools at, um, order. And he served under Justice Earl Warren, who is you know an amazing um, person to have been able to learn from. And uh, he also served as the first black graduate of the Air United States Air Force Academy. Um, and he went on to get uh, degrees from Harvard Business School and Georgetown and 
really champion diversity yeah. in the military. And he, he just, he was an incredible inspiration. He also was a great dad and was married for 50 years to my mom, wow. passed away in, by two months before their 50th anniversary. And, um, and he just was someone who really taught us a work ethic, taught us, you know, like I said, if you're not going to do it to the best of your ability, don't do it. Um, and, ha and helped us understand what need, what needs to happen in order to manifest change. And I yeah. think right now that's oh, something yeah. that people are trying to figure out. Yeah. And, you know, his, his catchphrase was diversity is a leadership issue. And I think that that speaks volumes because, you know, especially right now, when you look at, you know, change comes from the top down in companies and schools and, you know, in any group situation. And when you have leadership who believes in, you know, celebrating diversity and celebrating, you know, who people are and what yep. they bring to the table, then that, you know, that helps to champion change in a positive manner. And so that's what we need to look for. And that's what we need to drive forward for. Absolutely. In whatever way we can contribute to yeah. that. Yeah. Even if it's just yourself doing one little thing, you know, if everybody does one little thing, it can change so much. Yeah. You're the leadership in your own life and in your, and you know, in your relationships and in your families. And that's, you know, that's how it, that's how it all works. Absolutely. So that's what we try to push forward. Absolutely. All right, Bettina, I don't want to keep you much longer, but do you have anything coming up or anything you want to promote or anything? Oh, anything to promote. Um, so watch for my kids. <laughs> You'll see them um, soon. I can't really talk too much about their projects, um, but they, uh, Cassie and Jesse Bush, and they are, uh, they're, they're such fun and they you'll see them on my instagram page and we'll do announcements and stuff i met you can put you can see me on instagram at patina bush official i've been a little quiet lately because i've been trying to focus on um on family during the COVID time and and um and so i haven't been doing a lot of posting but that will change so go ahead and follow me and you'll start to see a lot of things pop up and gosh what else just you know stay in touch keep keep looking out for what i'm up to because i always have something you know, fun going on and, and, you know, something that I'm trying to accomplish and, and, um, and bring out to everybody. So um, just keep an eye out and, you know, listen for me. I'm still all over the place. <laughs> you can still hear me on the radio. You can see, you know, if you listen, I still do the voice matches for Jada Pinkett Smith yep, for yep. Madagascar and, you know, Gloria the Hippo and, and, um, and, you know, I'm still on the commercials and things that you, you hear in your car and the radio. So just listen for me. Awesome. Bettina, thank you again. Big fan of your work. I had an amazing time. Thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. And I'm grateful for every single fan on the planet and, and anybody who wants to spend any time, you know, letting, letting me know that, you know, they appreciate my work. I, I thank you because it, you make it so much, so much better and you enhance my life. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Saturday Morning Rewind. Please check them out on Facebook and Twitter. And that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>